Merry Christmas. With this liturgy, we are beginning the Christmas season of grace, which this year lasts for just over two weeks. This is a season in which God, who owns time, offers this world, every single one of us and anyone who is open to it, the grace of the birth or the rebirth of Jesus within us. This world so needs Jesus to be reborn. If you are alive in Jesus, I presume you're aware of ways in which you hope he'll be reborn. So we're invited during this season to try to be maximally open with this grace and to cooperate with this grace as God offers it to us. Where this all goes, only God knows. What I know is I can try to be open and I can try to cooperate. In this first liturgy of Christmas, we're invited to consider God's love for the human race from what we know from the beginning of humanity very directly today in our lives and until the end of human time. The prayers and the scripture of this Mass really invite us to enter into that. Believe it or not, that is my single favorite reading of Christmas. If I heard a priest say that and I was not familiar with that reading, I would say, you are a deeply troubled person. What are you talking about? Because that's what I thought before I knew anything about this scripture. I think there's a Monty Python skit connected with that. So I remember when I was young hearing that read and thinking, this is just some stupid primitive, I don't know what joke of a reading. That was my ignorance. It's actually just a profoundly meaningful reading. People have written long books about just that genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. So Matthew is writing sometime between 80 or 90 AD under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to early Christians. Jesus, the savior of the world, has been born he has died and risen from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit into the world. Matthew knows this. Matthew is communicating to people about the birth of Jesus, not just in the past, but in their lives. And he's communicating about the birth of Jesus to us today. We believe this is divinely inspired revelation from God. Let me just give you a couple things to pull out of that genealogy of Jesus. I think many of you know this. This is not a genealogy the way you and I might write a genealogy about our family today, where you're trying to be maximally precise exactly where did people come from, or a scientific history of any family where this person is the father of this person is the father of this person. Obviously, that's not the case there. In the ancient Near East, genealogies are very common, but they're not at all supposed to be scientific histories. If you just read it, it jumps out to you. Matthew is using a source from the Old Testament in the first book of Chronicles. If you read that passage, it doesn't add up. Matthew would have to be an idiot if he was just trying to pass on what was in the Old Testament. When you read that genealogy, there's this emphasis, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations. And then you can do this. If you try to escape your family in the upcoming celebrations, if you need just some alone time, it doesn't add up to 14, 14, 14. It's like there's something much more important here than the scientific details. There are people whom we know are missing from that genealogy. So again, if you just have a brain, you say, what are the kinds of things that God is trying to say through what is clearly not a scientific history? Here are a couple. First two words of that first book of our New Testament. First two words are the book of Genesis. Did you know that? 
We just heard the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of God, son of Abraham. Those first two words in Greek are the book of Genesis. The only other time those two words appear together in the Bible are in the book of Genesis when there are passages about the beginning of humanity and about the spread of humanity. The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is God's revealed word in which we are told that only God existed eternally. God who is love, God who is life. The beginning of human history was God sharing love and life with others. All a human being is, all you are, is a bunch of dirt into which God has breathed the entirety of God. The only beings we are, are beings created to live in communion with God. All every one of us is, from the beginning of creation, is a being meant to love God, others, and ourselves. And we know from the book of Genesis, we're created free. Human beings are created to live that communion of love or to turn away from that communion of love. The book of Genesis tells us somehow in the mystery of our origins, we turned away from God. We freely chose to sin. And this became a very fallen, sinful world. You still with me here? If you get just the first two words, the names become really interesting in that genealogy. In that genealogy, there are a few very holy, important people in our Jewish heritage. I count four out of all those names. Abraham, Ruth, Hezekiah, Josiah are people who in the scripture we're told are really consistently godly, holy people. There are names in there, people who are of God and do great things of God, but have very mixed lives. I mean, really big shadows. King David, the most important of God's kings, who is also a murderer and an adulterer. King Solomon, his son, who is a fantastically important godly man, who is also sexually bizarre and brings terrible corruption to his people. Try to be a poor person under King Solomon. Try to be an enemy of King Solomon, you would be dead. So there are people in there who are very godly and also the same people ungodly. There are four women mentioned in that genealogy, which is quite unusual for an ancient Near Eastern genealogy. Four women, one of them, Ruth, unbelievably holy foreigner. Rahab is a really great person helping some Israeli, Israelite spies. She's also a prostitute, which is not a small thing in one's life. Bathsheba is the partner in David's adulterous bringing of a child into the world, whose Tamar is a person who manipulates her father into, her father-in-law into an incestuous relationship. So kind of a mixed bag. And then you start reading through those kings. Those kings include people who are bloodthirsty, idolatrous, extraordinarily corrupt. One is killed by his own people, very ungodly, people who do great damage to God's people. So you read those names and you start realizing this is a very sinful, fallen world. 
There are very holy people, there are people who are very mixed, and there are people who are really harshly evil, who do terrible things to one another. It is a sinful, fallen world. Jesus in there is associated with two key names, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham is our father in faith, who about 2,000 years before Jesus is told by God, you are going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. You are going to become your descendants, a blessing for the whole world. And David, about a thousand years before Jesus, is told by God that your kingship will last forever. You will become a source of justice and blessing for the entire world. David's kingship lasts for about 400 years, and it hasn't been in effect for about 600 years at the time of Jesus. So pull this together. If you're a person, a Jewish person, at the time of Jesus, and this is your heritage, you are a person who lives in fear and in hope. Fear because where is God in this messed up world? If God so loves us, how can we be so horrific to one another? If God promises that Abraham and David's descendants are gonna go on forever, well, where is that unfolding? If you're a person who's serious about the world at the time of Jesus, you have fear. And if you're a person at the time of Jesus who has faith, you also have hope. You hope that God is true. You hope that God does love. You hope that God doesn't abandon his people. And you hope that God doesn't make promises that are not true, even when you can't imagine how they'll unfold. I hope you can relate to that. I really do hope you can relate to that. Jesus Christ has already saved this world, and we are still a free world. There are so many wonderful things in this world. There are so many good and holy people, including many of you, and I'm not blowing smoke. But if you at this Christmas of 2021 thought that this was just a holly jolly world, I would ask to smoke what you are smoking. <laughs> this is a really messed up world under the best of circumstances. I mean, there are evil, evil people who do horrific things to millions of their fellow citizens go visit Syria. There are people who do the worst possible horrific things to the ones for whom they're responsible. Visit North Korea. Visit Lawrence. Look at what we do to one another in this community. This world is filled with injustice. How could it be that children in this community are born into the economic poverty into which they're born in 2021? How could it be that three quarters of the children in this city at any given time are at risk for hunger? How could it be that the education we offer these children whom we supposedly love is so entirely miserable, I shouldn't say that, is in so many circumstances miserable and they're unsafe? This is a sinful, fallen world. I don't know if you've heard of COVID, but that's why your face is covered. If you don't have any fear, there's something wrong with you as someone who does believe in Jesus. If you don't have fear about the state of this world and about our future, there's something wrong with you. And I hope you have hope. I hope you have heard he has brought salvation to this world. I hope you have heard 
that he wants to lead us to life now and eternally. And so back to the genealogy. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. Man, father, son, father, son, father, son, father, son. The penultimate one. Jacob is the father of Joseph, who is the husband of Mary. Joseph is not the father of Jesus. Mary is the mother of Jesus. It totally breaks. Human history totally breaks. God intervenes. God intervenes and brings what no one expected. There is not a person on this planet who ever expected Jesus. Holy Spirit overshadows an economically poor woman in the middle of, by earthly standards, nowhere. God enters into the sinful, fallen world and becomes one of us. Whoever would have imagined that God would become a human being? No one imagined it. All those prophets pointing to salvation, they had not a single thought. How much does God love the world? God so loves this sinful, fallen world that in the fullness of time, God becomes one of us. God becomes one of us and brings back to this sinful, fallen world God's love. God ultimately loves us so much that he gives himself living that love to bring the full power of salvation into this world. Joseph takes Jesus into his home. He names Jesus. He does become Joseph's son. Jesus does inherit this legacy of David and Abraham, but God does it in a totally new way. God sends us a savior to fully renew the world. 14, 14, 14. Every letter in the Hebrew alphabet is assigned a number. If you spell out the numbers, if you add up the numbers in D-A-V-I-D, 14. 14 times three, the perfect time for the son of David to come. 14 divided by two is seven. Seven into 42 is six. Six days and on the seventh comes the new creation. Seven, 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 the perfect time. 2,000 years ago was the perfect moment when God came to this world as one of us to offer us salvation. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because it's the single most important moment in the beginning of salvation, the center of human history. I invite you to consider our fallenness, our sinfulness, your fallenness, your sinfulness, and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, until the end of time, comes into our lives as an adult and offers salvation. The adult Jesus is available to you 24-7, 365 days, to bring what begins on Christmas to its full maturity in your life. God so loves you in 2021 that he comes again to offer himself to be reborn in you. The adult Jesus, week by week, through whatever comes on this planet, fallen, sinful, saved. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.